This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. And we're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out our website. It's districtsentinel.com. We've got a full show for you here. File Follies coming up in a little bit. We've got the garbage can we're rolling out at the end of the show. Of course, got our news of the week. Can't help but notice my co-host is just in an excellent mood, though, right now. And I'm guessing it has something to do with the huge win for Newcastle on Thursday. And it looks like I don't want to curse them or anything, but they're in a good spot to make the Champions League for next year, which, correct me if I'm wrong, you had high hopes for them this season. I don't think you thought they'd make the top four, though. No, no, I did not. And uh, they they haven't qualified for the Champions League in 20 years or so. Damn. So it's been a while. So I yeah I, I first started supporting Newcastle a few years before their last uh, their last run in the Champions League. And uh, wow is all I can say. Wow. And uh, I am fully aware of the blood money situation. <laughs> I would just like to lay all my cards on the table. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Saudi money can be quite transformational. It, money, period, <laughs> can be quite transformational. And oil... Uh, Having a lot of it tends to lead to having a lot of money these days. I, you know what? I, I look at it this way. It is not my fault that the United Kingdom is more of an overlapping series of money laundering schemes than an economy. Okay, that was in, in the 80s. Thatcher decided that um, industry, heavy work, not really our thing. We're more into uh, uh, numbers on pieces of paper. And I was a strong supporter of Jeremy Corbyn. He, he was the only, he's been the only major British politician. Where, where are you lifetime. going with this? Is this somewhat? Is this you're taking a long time to go around to defending uh, your favorite team taking a bunch of Saudi money to compete in the? Premier <laughs> I'm just League. saying. I'm just saying. I don't set the rules. Okay. Sure. If it were up to me, money would be out of the game, or not out of the game entirely, but it would play a much smaller role in the game, as evidenced by my strong support of Jeremy Corbyn. So. Don't come crying to me, okay? I I tried. I tried to get Saudi money out of the game. I'm not going to fucking give up my team just because Britain can't get its shit together. And, you know, like, back off. Yeah, and it's certainly a success for the team. I mean, money doesn't always equal success. Just look at Everton. Just look at uh, how Chelsea. much Chelsea have spent. Yeah, how much they've spent this season. Uh, so good coaching, good schemes, good players, and it's going to be fun to watch the 
the champions. Although they're doing a whole new format next next year where, you know, you talked about how I know you have this spicy take that Champions League is not a season. It's a cup. It's it's not a league. I mean, it's, it's not a it's league. A it's a cup. Right. It's going to be a league next year. Because they Wait, changed what? the oh, format. They're... they're not doing group play anymore. They're doing like a table. And you, oh. play, you play a certain amount of games, and then the people at the top of the table advance to the knockout rounds. Well, okay. Well, I'm sorry. That's that's still a cup. If there's a knockout round, it's a cup. A league is just a league. There's just, you know, a number of teams that each play well, each other home and away. There's sort and of, the, there's sort at, of a knockout end, round in the championship, but you wouldn't. Yes, but it's it's uh, it's a little different though, and we're getting we're getting into okay. a level okay, of okay. Fair uh, enough. I do want to go back and listen to uh, our episode at the start of the season because we made a bunch of predictions, and I think some of them are 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 coming true, including a bold one you made about Leicester City possibly getting relegated. Uh, it's always good to remind the audience when you make a correct sports prediction, Sam Knight. So I'll go back and see if I can uh, pull out some stuff from that previous episode and see what we were right about and more than likely wrong about. All right. We are, uh, what, like 10 days from possible default. I know that June, it's not a hard deadline or anything. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that you know, after June 1st, they're going to start running out of extraordinary measures to continue paying bills without a default. So it's not a hard deadline, but after that, you know, any day now, the U.S. could start defaulting, I guess. Um, we're, we're 10 days away from that and talks over legislation to increase the federal borrowing limit have broken down on Capitol Hill. Uh Honestly, good, because they were headed in a really shitty direction, the talks that were happening. At the start of the week, there was reporting that Biden is now considering, you know, he wants some some grand bargain that includes, like, long-term spending cuts. He's putting that on the table. He said he's open to work requirements for certain programs, just not health care programs. Of course, that could mean uh, you know, food stamps and other assistance programs. Uh, at the end of the week, there's talk about how there's now permitting reform that is getting into the bill that would uh, gut the uh, gut environmental regulations over new fossil fuel and energy projects. And it's not even like Joe Manchin's shitty permitting reform. It's even worse than that, because like Manchin's reform does focus a bit on transmission lines, building those out, which are necessary uh, to to create renewable capacity in the country. But also Manchin's bill came with like approving a bunch of shitty fossil fuel projects that would, you know, offset a lot of the benefits that would come with future renewable energy. Uh, this permitting reform has Republicans saying, uh, let's do all the stuff that our fossil fuel donors want us to do. And then later we'll talk about transmission build out that, can benefit renewables. Trust us on this. So the, the the direction of this bill of this deal was looking pretty shitty for a bit. Yeah, and and, and to be clear, and 
I, you're about to get into this in a second. Um, none of this needs to happen. Exactly. That's what was so frustrating about this is at any moment, Biden could walk away from the table and say, fine, I'm just going to ignore the borrowing limit and we'll kick this to the Supreme Court. Uh, or, you know what? Fine. We've got a hunk of platinum down at the U.S. Mint. We're going to create a coin out of it that we're going to sit at $2 trillion. And we're going to keep doing that anytime we hit our borrowing limit. Uh, anytime we start running out of money, we're just going to mint another coin. And there's nothing you can do to stop us at this point. I got a big question for you. And this is inspired uh, by a discussion that was had on um, the Trash Future podcast. Uh, who would you like to see on the trillion dollar coin? Oh, hmm. I would like to see. Man, there's two different directions it can go, right? Okay, like okay. There could be like the best American, like who I think is the best person, or there could be like the person who best represents the absurdity of the U.S. economy and financial system. Yeah, see, I'm I'm kind of leaning toward uh, the latter, and what I would go with is I would put Ben Bernanke on the trillion dollar coin and then in quotes under him it would say something like you just have to change some numbers on the computer in ben we trust <laughs> maybe bernie madoff on the trillion dollar coin uh money means nothing um no i think i think ben bernanke's a good one yeah he's yeah just a profile of ben or uh, what? What's the Monopoly man's name? Uh, Money bags. Ooh, Q, that would be good. Penny farthing or something. <sighs> Mr. Uh, Burns put Mr. Burns on the trillion dollar coin. Yeah. There was a Simpsons episode about a trillion dollar bill once, but I'm veering off course here. So. Well, a number of senators have come forward to urge Biden. Not to mint the coin, although I'm sure they'd be down with that too, but uh, to invoke the 14th Amendment, which states that the U.S. public debt shall not be questioned. You can make an argument that having a debt limit questions the debt because it's a point at which we, the United States will not be paying off its debt anymore. So there's a good argument, as I said, that it's unconstitutional and that Biden should make that case and just ignore it and order Treasury to continue paying U.S. bills as it needs to. Uh, Ed Markey, Jeff Merkley, Bernie Sanders, and John Fetterman uh, have joined this push to get Biden to invoke the 14th Amendment. And um, as mad as conservatives are about that prospect, they were far more mad to see John Fetterman's legs during a press conference about all this. But we're going to have more on that later in the show. Oh, man, I'll, ha I'll have to remember all the things I have to say about this because it's, uh, it's become quite the hot topic here in, uh, here in our nation's capital. The biggest bank in the country has been a big winner of recent financial instability. 
As we mentioned two weeks ago, regulators allowed J.P. Morgan to take over assets from the now bankrupt First Republic Bank, a gain of about $200 billion in assets for J.P. Morgan. This week, we found out that regulators didn't care if it would make the too-big-to-fail bank even bigger, too-big-to-fail two, too-bigger-to-failer. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, here was Senator Elizabeth Warren questioning Michael Sue, the acting head of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, or OCC. Warren suggested that the merger was illegal because of the OCC's indifference to J.P. Morgan's size when approving the merger. Your job, by law, is to determine risk to the system from making big banks even bigger. And you have a clear metric for doing that, the GSIB scores. So how do you explain approving a sale to a banking giant that increases the risk to the banking system by somewhere between nearly 800% and 1,400% more than selling to other bidders. Did you just ignore the fact that a failure at J.P. Morgan would blow a hole in our banking system that would be eight times more than the destruction to the financial system and let them grow by $200 billion? Senator Warren, for every merger application, we follow the law. We follow our guidelines, we follow our policies and procedures. Under the financial stability prong of the, financial, of the uh, Bank Major Act, there are a number of factors, you named one. Had we followed a strict GSIB score methodology to the exclusion of everything else, I fear that there would have been greater financial instability uh, that weekend. You are the one person who was supposed to use judgment on the question of as between multiple sales, which one was the right one to go with and which one presented more risk to the banking system. According to your own metric, you chose the one that gives us more concentration in the system. I am very troubled by that decision. Yeah, Clarence Thomas will rule on it right after he's finished counting those burlap sacks of cash with huge dollar signs on them. Hey, they're from a friend, okay? He, he won them at a church a uh, uh, bake sale or the uh, 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 coin toss or whatever they do. Sue and other regulators also testified on the House side earlier in the week. The positive feedback loop of capital accumulation was a theme. Here was Ohio Republican Warren Davidson bringing up the possibility of making money by having a huge amount of it and withdrawing it from a bank. And yes, he was referring to the venture capital goon squad at the heart of the Silicon Valley bank run. Well, the problem here is who led the short, and is that in any way correlated to the people that were moving the money out? And I think it's, we've asked for that data, and we haven't gotten it. We can look at it in the most confidential setting. I respect the fact that we shouldn't publish it online for everyone to see, but someone is looking into this, correct? I, I don't actually have access to individual transaction level data. The SEC is responsible, obviously, for market integrity issues, uh, and so that's a question really uh, directed to them. Hey, any excuse to investigate Peter Thiel works for me. Uh, speaking of which, Thiel is an Epstein sicko, allegedly, reportedly, Ooh. allegedly. Ooh. My lawyer is uh, jabbing me in the back. <laughs> 
with a sharp stick. Uh, I'm not just saying that flippantly, okay? The New York Times reported that Epstein and Thiel had several meetings scheduled in 2014 after Epstein was released from prison for soliciting sex from a minor. Hmm. So around the same time as Noam Chomsky, too. (laughs) Oh, poor Noam. I mean, like, you know, asterisks. I'm not saying poor Noam as in, like, he's being done dirty here. I just meant, like, he, he, you know, it's just such a, a sad coda, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not Here's sure what he was thinking there. Public intellectual at the end of a very long life, and he's going out as an Epstein sicko. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a... <laughs> Oh, well. Uh, hey, uh, the FBI busted for engaging in mass domestic surveillance. Again, this breaking from the Washington Post on Friday, the FBI illegally searched the massive Section 702... Foreign Intelligence Database, more than 278,000 times, according to a newly disclosed FISA court order. FISA is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. There is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, which authorizes intelligence programs. All of this geared toward foreign intelligence. So these are all spying activities aimed at foreign targets that this database holds information of. But the way we do this intelligence, as shown by Edward Snowden like almost a decade ago now, uh, is through mass mass collection, where we're just scooping up everything straight off uh, internet fiber cables, through mass requests from telecommunications companies, and all sorts of shit that Uh, we've been told about and don't even know exists. So uh, it, these databases contain a lot of information about Americans. So there are pretty strict rules on when law enforcement are allowed to access these databases. And really the NSA is only allowed to use these for, again, foreign intelligence purposes. The FBI is allowed to use them also for like, like, counter foreign counter terror investigations and also when there's evidence of crimes but instead the post reports that it was used against crime victims the fbi would search crime victim names in this database to see what comes up Uh, january 6 riot suspects people arrested at protests uh, following the killing of george floyd also donors to a congressional candidate the George Floyd protest one is interesting, and I'm just going to read from the Post story here. Quote, in June 2020, the FBI searched for digital data and communications of 133 people arrested in connection with civil unrest and protests between approximately May 30th and June 18th, 2020, a time when demonstrations erupted across the country over Floyd's death under the knee of Minneapolis police officer. The search was done. Officials say to see if there was a counterterrorism information to see if there was counterterrorism information about those individuals. When questioned about the searches later, FBI officials said it was reasonable for agents to think the searches would return foreign intelligence. 
Uh, the court opinion describing that effort has significant redactions, making it unclear why the FBI developed its theory. Uh, I have a theory on the theory. Let's hear it. Which is that the Trump administration was uh, desperate to find some sort of Antifa network, as we have uh, detailed in our uh, uh, FOIA research on the DHS in Portland. Well, it does say that they think that there would be foreign intelligence in there. So maybe Trump was desperate to find like a Venezuelan connection or something to uh, Antifa. Yeah, I, I mean, state or, or, or it doesn't Russian, have to be a state or, or actor. Like, you saw a lot of liberals and conservatives at the same China. time talking about how Russia was behind a lot of the BLM protests. Um, yeah, also China. Any any way to smear uh the 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 protesters that year um more from the post in a different incident an fbi analyst conducted a batch query for over nineteen thousand donors to a congressional campaign because the analyst said the campaign was a target of foreign influence the opinion said i wonder what campaign that is um did Jill it Stein? say which oh it's congressional what, so it's congressional not, yeah. What I year was this? Did uh, they say what? It could have been Dana Rohrbacher's. Uh, that's what I was thinking, but he hasn't run since 2018, right? Yeah. The FBI says it has fixed the problem and that it was all just a misunderstanding between its employees and Department of Justice lawyers. A whoopsie, if you will. Um, perhaps the problem is the existence of such a database in the first place. And it just so happens that the authority that underpins Section 702 intelligence collection does expire at the end of the year. It'd be a shame if members of Congress just did nothing about it. Yeah, that's the one thing that they they do something about, though. I guess the other problem is even if they let it expire, even if they let it expire, the deep state and i say this not in an ironic way like the to the extent that there is a deep state would just get a team of lawyers to concoct a different authority to continue this sort of collection so just to be clear that in addition to um sort of these uh political ostensibly political arrests like the uh january 6 arrests and the uh, people arrested um for a good cause, for riding, uh, you know, being pissed off about police violence after George Floyd was murdered. So they're doing searches related to those, but they're also just randomly searching crime victims. Like the FBI sees like a murder victim and they say, hey, maybe this person was Al Qaeda or not even a murder victim, just someone who was extorted or something. Well, here, I mean, here is what the Post says about it. Officials also found a long pattern between 2016 and 2020 in which the FBI conducted FISA searches about, quote, individuals listed in police homicide reports, including victims, next of kin, witnesses, and suspects. The Justice Department found that these searches violated the rules because there was no reasonable basis to expect they would return foreign intelligence or evidence of a crime, 
The FBI, however, argued that querying FISA information using identifiers of the victims simply because they were homicide victims was reasonably likely to retrieve evidence of crime. Huh, this is uh, this is under the Trump FBI. Yeah. This is uh, the guy who's I would imagine the deep that they... state, pretty much empowering it to do whatever the <laughs> fuck it wants. I imagine the FBI would also argue, and maybe this wasn't in the piece, maybe it was, that people who are dead don't have any uh, rights under the Privacy Act. Yeah, but then they're searching these next of kin and eyewitnesses. Right, right. No, that that too. That's uh, look, it's obviously fucked up. I'm just yeah. trying to put my, you know, trying to uh, proverbially bash my brain with a hammer to uh, try to think like these sickos. And you're right. In a uh, pretty similar story, a D.C. cop was charged with obstruction of justice for trying to help the Proud Boys evade prosecution. This is Lieutenant Shane Lamond. He, according to the government, exchanged hundreds of text messages with Proud Boy leader Enrique Tario. Tario, by the way, was convicted earlier this month of seditious conspiracy related to his involvement in the January 6th riot back in which to be clear seditious conspiracy is a cool crime when the left does it but not when the right does it no no and then uh two days after this and being engaged in this seditious conspiracy uh lamont texted tario quote of course i can't say it officially but personally i support you all and don't want to see your group's name or reputation dragged through the mud Hmm. uh now, maybe somebody will be like, oh, well, he maybe he was just trying to ingratiate himself to get more information. No. <laughs> Again, hundreds of messages were sent, and all of them were basically trying to help Tario and keep Tario appraised on investigations that the government had launched into him. Uh, one day after the 2020 presidential election, Lamont allegedly texted Tario, quote, hey, brother, sad, sad news today. You all planning anything? Tario responded, yep. Later that day, the indictment alleges that Lamont alerted Tario to the fact that law enforcement was monitoring social media accounts belonging to the Proud Boys and that they needed to switch to communicating on an encrypted platform. Huh. Huh. Unfortunately, the officer sent to arrest Lieutenant Lamont was also a Proud Boy, (laughs) and uh, Lamont escaped to Hungary. It is week two of our File Follies dive into 2020 election emails involving U.S. Postal Service leaders. First, some housekeeping. (laughs) (laughs) I should note that after we recorded last week, uh, the Postal Service did actually get back to me to say that they had no comment (laughs) <laughs> on the phone call between Postmaster General Louis DeJoy and Trump White House Homeland Security Advisor Dr. Julia Neshawat. Also, yeah. I was wrong. There. Okay. Was, okay. Wait, Go wait, on. sorry. S- say that again. I said you were onto something at the same time that you said I was wrong. Oh, but I was wrong about another thing. I mean, I was definitely onto something because, I mean, why would they go out of their way to write that letter like that about a phone call. They wanted this in the record. And 
you know, they wanted to acknowledge that it was in the record. That's why they uh, did no comment, which is sort of I think uh, your ironic request, if you think about it. Do you think your request made it to DeJoy's desk? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. DeJoy knows who you are. We So if something happens to Sam Knight, it's, it was DeJoy. No, I'm on good terms with my letter carrier, so I think no, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm of feeling course. pretty good. Of course, I'm pretty but, good. But there okay. is the, the the USPS does have its own police, and it is a crime to impersonate a letter carrier. You can't steal uh, mail valor. You you could get arrested. So, um, <laughs> right, moving on. I was wrong. About one thing. I said last week that this week we would be getting into another example of contact between the USPS and Trump world. I'm sorry I misread something. I was focusing all on the phone call letter, which, as we've established, was something. It was something. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, let's get to the fun part. And if Louis DeJoy is following me and is listening to this show, I am sorry because we are dipping into the hate mail bag <laughs> and reading emails that were sent to Louis DeJoy uh, in 2020 about the election. I had a lot of fun putting this one together. So it was eventually reported that DeJoy got a bunch of threats and needed security for his kids at college. Well, his email address is easily findable, and we asked the USPS for 2020 election-related emails involving DeJoy. So we have the receipts. Let's do that first draft of history shit. We'll get to the angry lib letters shortly. Uh, there are a lot, but first, here's one from a right-wing crank sent July 21st. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, the, the, don't need to read the opening. Uh, here we go. Uh, I saw a massive amount of union-backed inadequate behavior. Uh, this is, he's talking about when he worked for the USPS. I could name a bunch, but here are my favorite highlights. One, when a letter carrier got arrested with his second on-the-job DUI, he did not get fired. A driver was hired to drive him on his route. Awesome if true. Yeah, hell yeah, that's <laughs> gotta, why you've got a union. Yeah. Number two, the supervisor who answered the phone at our office was extremely nice. She was also deaf, spelled wrong, D-E-F, as you can understand, it was difficult to relay information to her when we needed something. I have a little trouble believing that. Three, <laughs> important. When it was election time, we were instructed to never leave a mailed ballot in the customer's mailbox, especially when the incorrect postage was affixed to it. This is true, by the way. They're supposed to deliver any ballot, even if it doesn't have any postage on it. I never understood this. How can a for-profit company that was supposedly not supported by our government make such a poor and costly business decision? On my route alone, we must have lost $300 in postage. Also, it seemed no coincidence that every time a letter was shortage, a letter was shorted, I would see a I'm with her bumper sticker on the Subaru parked in the driveway. Anyway, uh, 
it, it ends. I think it is important to send out a commercial to America telling them how much to put on the envelope if they want their vote counted and make sure our union-backed carriers are not breaking the rules to sway the election. Uh, buddy, I wish postal unions could sway the election. Now, let's move on to the emails from people who sound like they spend all day in the daily cost comment section. Let's start with the short but sweet ones. Oh, yeah. August 2nd, 2020, 2.47 p.m., Voting is our right. Do not mess with it for your friend at number 45. Mm. Mm. That's one of those people who can't bear to say Trump's name, so they just called him 45. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so embarrassing. Uh, August 13th, 2020, 1245 p.m. Dear Mr. DeJoy, as far as I can see, you are a major league crook interfering with an election and should be prosecuted as such. Signed, redacted. Here's another. Louis, we see you and we know what you're doing. You'll be unemployed and replaced in about six months. Be all caps. Because Democrats will crawl over broken glass, risk COVID through a hurricane to vote your criminal mob boss out of office. When he goes sparky, so do you. Sent from my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sparky here's another one thursday august 6 2020 7 18 p.m i understand you are responsible for the massive mail delays people are expecting checks etc i know what your motive is throw the november election into chaos i would crawl through toxic waste to vote at this point to remove trump and then prosecute him and all his cronies Get your act together and get my mail to me now. <laughs> Thursday, the, the, August. The, these, 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 I like, I don't doubt the commitment that these last two senders of these, quote, threats uh, have to voting. Like, there are a lot of liberals who would do whatever it takes to cast that ballot against Donald Trump. Now, after that, they ain't doing shit. <laughs> They're not going to do shit. They will but vote hard as they fuck. Will, yes, they will vote like their life depends on it to get 45 out of office. <laughs> but don't ask them any more than that. Well, that, well, we'll, we'll wait to see because some of them really do uh, promise some things here. But uh, Thursday, August 13th, 2020, subject, stop destroying the USPS, all caps. You are a Trump tool looking to profit off the USPS and delay mail-in ballots for the November election so Trump can steal the election. You purchased Amazon stock after your appointment, appointment in scare quotes, to profit off the USPS failure. Neither rain nor snow nor heat nor fascism will destroy the USPS. Go fuck yourself, asshole. Sent from my iPhone. Hell yeah. This guy is a big USPS defender, probably former letter carrier, has a lot of pride still over the Postal Service. I think he's right. Actually, yeah, you know, there's there, there's a <laughs> lot of Fascism might eventually end up destroying the USPS. Yeah, that's true. But I, I do like the spirit of that email. There's There I wasn't too. too much I could uh, object to there. Um, you know, just colorful language, I thought, so... Subject, USPS, date, Monday, August 10th, 2020, 
7.17 a.m. Dear asshole, quit fucking with the mail, asshole. Uh, you, <laughs> you already said asshole. <laughs> I use it daily and you're fucking with my business. So I'll be hand delivering my 2020 presidential ballot to our local voter registration office as a fuck you to you and Trump. I will continue to use the USPS for personal and business mail, but you're not going to help Trump win by fucking up the post office. I will never use FedEx, DHL, or UPS again. Fuck you. Redacted. Hey, asshole. <laughs> you're an asshole. <laughs> now, it would be hate mail from libs if we didn't have long-winded rants, but mercifully, I won't read <laughs> All from <laughs> these damn. entire things, just excerpts, because otherwise we'd be here all day. Subject, Trump and mail-in ballots. Date, Thursday, August 13th, 2020, 12.58 p.m. I don't know how you sleep at night. You should be ashamed of yourself. I hope Congress finds that you are in violation of the law by sabotaging the U.S. mail, which is a federal offense. And I truly hope you are prosecuted. Maybe you could share a jail cell with your buddy Trump. I will not be using the U.S. Postal Service to deliver my mail-in ballot. I will be delivering it directly to the recorder's office. Karma is a bitch, and it will come back to bite you. Do the right thing and quit meddling in our election. Thanks for your time, and if you're so inclined, please feel free to respond. I'd love to hear what lies you'll tell next. Redact. Honestly, this one sounds like it came from my mom. Hey, you asshole, give me a call <laughs> so I can hear what bullshit you have to say. <laughs> All right. Sunday, August 9, 2020. Subject, intentional delay of mail. Again, this is an excerpt. We as Americans are ban banning together, not banding together, banning together. And we are going to bring Trump and all of his minions down with him. And that includes you. So do all your corruption and your lying and stealing and murdering of the American people. Uh, to be clear, that when they're talking about murdering of people, they're talking about the coronavirus death toll, which I think is a fair, um, you know, uh, take on the situation. I'm not trying to make this person look more unhinged than they are by excerpting this here. Uh, because you, along with your boss, are getting hell out of here. Y'all can take your asses to Russia and live under Putin's rule. But I'm sure the route you have chosen to take, you will end up in prison in a cell next to your boss and his family members. And so also know the post office will never be privatized. And don't be so sure about that. So you and your corrupt wife can get those dollar signs out of your heads as well. This will not be the last time you will hear from me. <laughs> now you have a fucked up week till you hear from me again. <laughs> some of these are some pretty good lines i gotta be honest <laughs> of course these these rock but it's exactly the sort like there's a certain type of online lib that occasionally will yell at you and like i i, I just hear that archetype in all of these pretty much all of these letters well there yeah, a common theme is there is that like call to DeJoy's humanity, like do the right thing, Mr. DeJoy, as though this email will connect with him and, and, and the words of doing the right thing will finally trigger something in DeJoy to change his ways. Each one of these people sending this email 
believes that that might happen. And I guess, you know, to be fair to DeJoy, like he didn't really seem that interested in rigging the election for Trump. But the idea that if he had been, you know, this one email will will, you know, talk him down. uh, That's that's great. I love that. Um, Subject, a word with you. (laughs) Date, (laughs) Thursday, August 13th, 439 p.m. Hey. I don't appreciate my business being slowed for the sake of you helping Donald Trump steal another election. I don't appreciate you fucking with my money at all. Something I feel like you'd personally understand. You have no conscience. Uh, sick. You have no heart and you have no balls. I feel like I'm Al Pacino reading this. The best thing you could do. <laughs> The best thing you could do is leave your position after restoring whoever was in charge prior and putting the fucking sorting machines back in place. Your association with that traitorous, piss-poor excuse of a pig masquerading as a man has forever tarnished whatever legacy you may have held, and you will be rightfully ridiculed for your role in this shitheel activity in the history books. It's not worth it, Louis. Whatever Russian money this campaign has given you won't Here mean a damn thing one day. Here comes the, uh, you know, have you no shame, do what's right. (laughs) Scoff, roll your eyes, whatever. You won't read this and won't dignify a pleb like me with a response. Your face is probably buried in Trump's lap right now. Just know that we're watching and we won't forget. Selling out America while while rear-ending a ton of veterans isn't exactly a good look for you, my guy. Do the right thing. Stop this bullshit. Okay, Monday, August 10, 2020, 1.15 p.m. Postmaster Louis DeJoy, regarding your accumulated maneuvers, including issuing memos on egregious policy policy changes and overhauling postal executive leadership, effectively sabotaging the much-needed nationwide push for mail-in ballots for the coming presidential election, fuck you and your pro-Republican... I can't do it without laughing... Fuck you and your pro-Republican, pro-corporatocracy interests up the as, A-Z-Z, as, hard, so hard. So you think hard. The ge- you, ge- <laughs> you think the general public is so witless that it can't see you for the shameless shite you are? We're on to you. We're going to stick to your as for the full distance. We will disturb your peace every single day. We will boomerang, shove every one of your slimy policy moves back into your poker face. We will go to fucking absolute political slash cultural war with you, you corporate possessed thug. You asked for it. You got it. Fiery hell as workplace. What the fuck? This is the, uh, this is the same guy who did the Mango Mussolini tweet. <laughs> Subject, your 2020 election mail policies. Date, Wednesday, August 12th, 2020, 10.44 p.m. Listen to me, you crooked redneck pile of crap. You are going to be prosecuted and convicted of illegal policies for decreasing people's ability to use the American mail system. Stop now or go to prison. DeJoy is from Brooklyn, by the way. (laughs) All right, okay. Whew. Now, how many, now how many more we got of these? Only a few, but okay. I promise right. you, they're I good. Have, no, they're good. All right, here I go. have saved. I have saved the best for last. <laughs> I I can promise you that much. So it's time to start cooking with increasing hostility. 
This one is uh, dated August 12th, 9.30 p.m. So this is during the Rachel Maddow show. (laughs) 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 Trying to rig an election for Trump is a losing proposition. He won't hesitate to throw you under the bus to save himself. If Trump loses, you are guaranteed years of grief from a hostile Congress. It doesn't seem that you care about democracy, but maybe you do care about yourself and your family. Stop messing with the mail. Mm. Ominous. Uh, this one is August 9th, 2020, 1214 a.m. Hey, Louie, <laughs> you want to slow down the mail to throw an election to the criminal in the White House. I just hope you and your family don't pay a severe price for your actions. I'm sure it is safe in redacted. Although I heard the state is turning purple. People can get very hostile when someone messes with their vote. Hope nothing bad happens to you and your family. God bless. (laughs) Are you trying to get the Secret Service to knock on your door? Here we go. Uh, This is is the last one. And I do believe I have saved the best for last. August 9th, 2020, 11.14 a.m. To Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. You shall go down in the history books as the man who most enabled a corrupt authoritarian president in destroying American democracy. To avoid this, you must help not hinder the vote-by-mail-slash-absentee voting process by providing increased personnel and funds. If you don't, one day Trump will be hanging upside down in a public square like Mussolini, and you will be hanging next to him, a concerned American. (laughs) Yeah, I, no I got. I gotta say, when I when I read some of these, I thought, man, maybe maybe libs do know how to bring the heat. <laughs> maybe that last guy wasn't. Maybe the last guy wasn't a lib. That's all I gotta say. I don't know. Yeah, I think my I think my favorite one is "Dear asshole, <laughs> quit fucking with the mail, asshole." <laughs> And the other guy was like, this is, it will not be the last you hear from me. <laughs> Enjoy your fucking week until you hear from me again. <sighs> I, You know, I will say there were some letters that were the language was much less colorful. Like, dear Postmaster General, please ensure the election is fair and blah, blah, blah. You know, respectfully redacted. And I did not want to read that email out like 10 times. Okay. So <laughs> I went with the spiciest. Those are, that's a good collection. I'm glad we did that. Nice, nice find. Yeah. The, like uh, I said, it's, it's an important historical record. I think it really captures what it was like, um, in 2020 leading up to the election about the anxiety over mail-in voting. There was a lot of fucking anxiety. And I got to say, a lot of it was justified because Absolutely. Trump was Trump was tweeting every day that mail-in mail voting needs to stop. All right. Uh, as always, you can message us on Twitter, email us, reach out if you've got any FOIA ideas or you stumble across any interesting files. Yeah. You have a cache of hate mails sent to a public figure. Send them to me and I'll find the best ones. <laughs> All right, interns, bring out the garbage can. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. man. 
lot of Diane Feinstein's diapers in there. <laughs> Should we cut that from the shell? <laughs> Is that one too spicy? I'm not cutting it. All oh. right. Let's fucking go. I mean, we were just accurately describing where the interns get the source of smells. All right. Garbage candidate. That's good, interns. Thank you. Right there. Garbage candidate number one. It's Elon Musk. He's back. I mean, the bar has been set much higher because Elon Musk is up to horrible shit every week that we had to set the bar higher for him to be included. He's graded on a curve based on his own bullshit. Um, But he spent the week just being wildly anti-Semitic online, so we had to make him a garbage candidate. Most of it aimed at George Soros, comparing him to Magneto, an X-Men villain who also has an origin story similar to Soros's in that they both survived the Holocaust. Um, Musk calling Soros uh, an enemy of humanity. All of this likely because Soros pulled some funding out of Tesla a week ago. Man, you know, it's like, I don't want to have to get mad about something that has anything to do with a billionaire. You know, I I don't want George Soros to have more than a billion dollars. Um, the thing is, Musk has way more money than George yeah, Soros. I was going to say, like, it kind of gives the game away when you see a guy like Elon Musk, whose net worth is supposedly like, what, 100 times greater than George Soros? And he's Maybe not that much, th- but a lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Maybe a uh, hundred. Musk also gave that bizarre interview with CNBC where he claimed that remote work was, quote, morally wrong. And he also uh, he also claimed that the Texas mall shooter wasn't a Nazi, that that was a PSYOP campaign even though the mall shooter had swastika tattoos all over him and wrote a bunch of Nazi shit online. Getting a fucking swastika tattoo on my face as a psyop. And then there was... It was on his shoulder, to be clear. It wasn't on his face, but like... ah. Then there was the point in the interview where Musk was asked a pretty good question about his tweeting style and... You know, will he ever consider not tweeting as much considering it's costing him lots of money? And then Musk did that like 15 second long pause, this very awkward, weird pause, like he was about to say something profound. And then he ended up just misquoting Princess Bride. (laughs) Thinking, thinking for 15 seconds about how to say I don't care. Garbage candidate number two, it is Nancy Pelosi who, according to Politico, is the force behind keeping Dianne Feinstein in office. And it's all so that Adam Schiff can get Feinstein's Senate seat. A Pelosi family conference. So here's here's the situation right now. Uh, Feinstein has thankfully said she's not running for re-election in 2024. A number of Democrats have said that they will run for her seat. We've got Barbara Lee, 
who would probably be the best choice. You've got Adam Schiff, who would be a really shitty choice. Uh, you've, I think you've got Katie Porter, too, who would be kind of a split-the-middle type choice. Pelosi has already endorsed Schiff. He's friends with Schiff, has helped raise money for Schiff, wants the seat to go to Schiff. The problem they have is if Dianne Feinstein were to step down because her brain is swelling out of her skull. (laughs) Gavin Newsom has already said, the governor of California has already said that he would appoint a black woman to fill the seat, which would probably be Barbara Lee. So whatever advantage Schiff has over Barbara Lee would be completely erased because Lee would be in the Senate, would be able to have a record to run on and would be on more even ground against Schiff, who's raised a ton of money in this race. And people might say, so, so, so the idea is to have Feinstein in office until 2024, until there can be an election. So that Feinstein, so that Pelosi can, can get her preferred candidate in office. Now that might sound conspiratorial to you, except a confidant of the Pelosi family told Politico explicitly that, quote, this is what the confidant source told Politico, quote, if DiFi resigns right now, there's an enormous probability that Barbara Lee gets appointed, thus it makes it harder for Schiff. The source added that the relationship between Pelosi and her daughter, who Politico reported is basically Dianne Feinstein's primary caregiver now, is the person you see right next to Dianne Feinstein uh, during work in the Senate here in Washington. The confidant said that the relationship between Pelosi, her daughter, and the senator is, quote, being kept under wraps and very, very closely held. And they further said, quote, it's very tricky and political because they want her to stay. The political thinking is that if DiFi stays as long as possible, it helps Schiff as well. Uh, I love how not only how this is just like cartoonishly evil, oh, yeah. but how it's based on this this like foolproof plan that Diane Feinstein, who looks like she would collapse in a light breeze, will stay alive for the next 16 months. Uh, she might, but her chances of staying alive decrease dramatically when she's being forced to work and show up to take votes and do shit like that, rather than coalescing in California and whatever her home is. Uh, like the, the, this, this piece talks about how close family friends are the Pelosi's and the Feinstein's like, this is kind of fucked up. This is elder abuse being done to a, an 89 year old Senator by how old is Pelosi (laughs) 82 or something (laughs) like, you know, to the extent that an 82 year old can abuse an 89 year old. That is what's happening here. Oh, I mean, that could uh, an 82 year old can abuse someone younger than them if they're not of sound mental. Sure. uh, You know, of course, just a unusual circumstance, let's say. Yeah, my God, my God, my God. 
All right, garbage candidate number three, Congressman Clay Higgins. Clay's back. Uh, listeners know Clay Higgins is probably the most deranged member of Congress that there is. He's from a former like sheriff from Louisiana. And he had a meltdown on the Hill this week when an activist showed up at a press conference convened by Republican members of Congress, including Lauren Boebert, uh, Jake Burdett, an activist, uh, showed up and started asking Boebert about her divorce. <laughs> <laughs> at which point, fucking Higgins goes nuts, grabs Burdett and bear hugs him and starts shoving him you know, shoves him 50 yards away from the fucking press conference. Uh, like, just physically manhandling this dude. And later, Higgins tweets, activist was a 103M, which is code police code for mentally disturbed individual. Activist was a 103M, threatening he was escorted out and turned over to Capitol Police. Textbook. Like, Burdett talks about how he thought this guy was security for Bobert, not that this guy was another member of Congress who was physically assaulting him. I hope she sees it, bro. She's recently single. <laughs> yeah, white knighting here for uh, Lauren Bobert. All right, garbage can number four. Florida State lawmakers. They uh, passed legislation... That gives more legal immunity to private space companies when their rockets kill people. So basically Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk's uh, company. Uh, This law was passed or this bill was passed unanimously in the state Senate, 39 to 0. In the state house, 107 uh, to 5. And it requires... uh, so it's called the Spaceflight Entity Liability Bill, and it broadens when space companies are exempted from liability for injury or death of a crew resulting from spaceflight activities. An analysis by the Florida State Senate says that, quote, this bill has the potential to limit the cost of litigation to businesses engaging in spaceflight and spaceflight activities. The bill mandates that crew and participants alike fill out a waiver that grants legal immunities to space companies in cases of injury or death. And one thing it does is, you know, typically space entities have immunity for inherent risks associated with spaceflight activity. Well, that's now been broadened to liability immunity to include all spaceflight activities. And, According to the New Republic, the bill amends language that orders entities to be liable for injury if they had actual knowledge or reasonably should have known. The new language only orders legal liability for actual knowledge, not reasonably should have known. So if Elon Musk rushes a flight because he's trying to launch his rocket at 420 on 69. And like part of the rocket falls off and crushes your house down below in some part of Florida. He's good. He's good. (laughs) He's good. At least to be sued in Florida. Yeah. (laughs) 
Garbage candidate number five, Greg Gianforte, the governor of Montana, signed a bill this week banning TikTok. You can't use TikTok in the state of Montana starting next year. It's the first state to do so. Uh, Pretty fucking stupid. Although garbage canning, I think we're going to pass because Greg Gianforte has totally redeemed himself based on prior activities. (laughs) This throwback from CBS, quote, Guardian reporter Ben Jacobs said Gianforte body slammed him to the ground and broke his glasses after Jacobs asked about the health care bill that had recently passed the Republican-controlled House. Audio taken by Jacobs recorded the sounds of a scuffle, followed by Gianforte yelling, Get the hell out of here! Ben Jacobs, an ultimate dweeb. Yeah a pretty normal reaction (laughs) all right finally garbage candidate number six people melting down over john fetterman's clothes mentioned at the top of the show how fetterman uh joined other senators to ask that biden invoke the 14th amendment in the debt limit showdown well during that press conference while all the senators were wearing suits fetterman was wearing shorts and a hoodie (laughs) and people fucking melted down lauren bobert tweeting quote john fetterman redefined casual friday on a thursday morning it's truly unbecoming for someone to show up like that to any job let alone a job that only 100 people are elected to do there's no excuse for it she said Uh, We had Charlie Kirk melting down. Uh, Here's a tweet from Monica Crowley, former assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury during the Trump administration. Quote, mentally incompetent sweatshirt and cargo shorts wearing John Fetterman is a fraud on the American people. You know, this this kind of reminds me of the early Trump era, because I feel like, you know, in the early, you know, when Trump was first entering presidential politics, he would say something uh, ridiculous, offensive, racist, etc. cetera. Uh, and he quickly realized how much earned media he could get for it, it seemed like. And, you know, obviously I don't want to draw a direct comparison to the two because racism is bad and cargo shorts and sweatshirts are fine. (laughs) But it seems like every time like Fetterman is playing these people like a fiddle, like he, he, he shows up in like flip flops and, and and frayed jean shorts. Conservatives go mad. And it, it generates all this media where a bunch of normal people see Fetterman and they're like, yeah, I'm glad he's going to fucking work like that. I wish I could go to work like that or I do go to work like that and it rocks. Yeah. Uh, my, my favorite is all these Republicans who like to claim that they're populists who care about, you know, everyday people absolutely melting down because someone's not wearing a suit at work. <laughs> This reminds me of uh, the story about Trump hitting uh, his son, uh, Don Jr., because Don Jr. wanted to wear a Yankees uh, jersey to dinner. (laughs) So so this is like every Republican, it seems like, has been punched in the face by their dad for, you know, not dressing 
high enough, you know, not dressing up enough for the occasion. And now they're trying to take it out on John Fetterman. Fuck you. All right, who's going in the garbage can? Uh, does Pelosi get the double? She get the rich dick in the oh, garbage yeah, she can? she was rich dick. I forgot about that. I mean, she's definitely doing the worst shit, but uh, Elon Musk has been in so often. Uh, uh, Clay Higgins for being a psycho? Uh, yeah, we could throw Clay Higgins for being a psycho in. I don't know if we've ever thrown Clay in. I'm a little worried that if he finds out that we threw him in the garbage can, he might, like, murder us. Uh, there was a 103M. They were going to throw me in a garbage can. But but I think we should do it anyway because, because we shouldn't let him intimidate us from the important work we have to do of throwing someone in the garbage can each week. All right, let's throw that piggy in the can. Clay hey, Higgins, you are going in the garbage, garbage can. can. Oh, there's all your uh, selfies from Auschwitz already in there, Clay. Right in the die-fi dipe. <laughs> that is the show. Thanks for listening. As always, thank you for your support. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.